Board Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as Vlad Guerrero Jr. at the plate, man. That guy's been on fire. Five home runs in 12 games. Granted, three did come in one game, which is pretty nutty. I mean, pretty exciting that the Jays are doing as well as they are. They're looking like the team that everyone expected them to be. And Vladdy Jr., continuing the trend that he set at the end of last season, he's coming for everyone else in the league. It's an exciting time to be a Blue Jays fan. Dude, he might be one of, if not, like, one, two best young players in the league under 23 years old. Like, absolutely, him and Juan Soto are unbelievably good but i would take vladdy all day of the week you know as the toronto blue jays fan that we are absolutely and also shout out to buck the announcer for the blue jays i know he's going through a tough battle right now so hopefully he gets through that and is feeling better but yeah positivity over here that's what we're looking for absolutely man unlike our takes which are just looking negative 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 man i can't believe the nuggets are gonna get swept i at least put them in at least two games you know, I was in a weird place about this because, you know, when I made this prediction, I was thinking to myself, man, you've been so high on Golden State. You were like, Golden State's going to come back. Golden State's going to make it. And then I was like, you know what? Let's go with Denver. Yeah, we'll see how that's working out well for me. Sucks for Jokic. Sucks for this team. It would have been a better series if, you know, Denver was healthy and had all their players. But at the end of the day, what Golden State is doing is unreal, and I look forward to talking about it. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into it a little bit later, man. But, ah. Uh... I had faith in Utah for some reason, and I like you know Luca, but they can't even win the non Luca games. It has been such a weird series. Brunson's been going off. The Jazz look like you know the chaotic failures that so many people expect them to be. And yeah, man, can't believe they're up two one, and there's been no Luca. Man, it's it's just absolutely wild. Well, I kind of want to just blow through the the NHL at this point because I really want to get to play in playoff basketball. Man, Florida, Colorado just running away with the league's best two teams out east, out west. Your boys in Calgary clinching their division. You know, they're going to have that home playoff advantage until the Western Conference Finals at least. Um, and then, man, Montreal just keeps losing, but I don't know if it's a bad thing. I kind of want Shane Wright. I wish he was Connor Bedard because that kid – had 51 goals and over 100 points as a 16-year-old in the WHL, which is better than what uh, McDavid did in his OHL, and the WHL is considered a better league. So, man, I wish I had that kid because you know Montreal's finishing like 10th next year. Oh, 10th absolutely. last. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Think, think, think about it a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, there's some exciting storylines. I think, you know, once the playoffs roll around, like hockey's really going to start to blow up and people are going to be really pumped for some of the series that we're going to see. And, you know, some teams are going to fall. Some teams are going to rise. Dynasties, who knows? And at the end of the day, as long as the Leafs don't win the cup, Matt and I will be happy. <laughs> Man, it's funny because we're a Toronto Raptors podcast, like the Toronto Blue Jays, but can't can't do the Leafs, man. I'm sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll skip over that, man. You, playing basketball last week, we got to pick up where we left off. Um, you want to start with the Atlanta-Cleveland game or the New Orleans versus the Clippers? Let's let's talk Atlanta-Cleveland because you know we're so sad for this Cleveland organization. They had an amazing season and they fell short at the end of the day, and that's kind of what the playing is for. And I mean. The reward is they don't have to be getting beaten around by the Heat because the Heat have showed up and the Hawks are faltering. But talking about that series specifically, Atlanta-Cleveland, it was supposed to be a good matchup, right? We were supposed to have some fun, but at the end of the day, Clint Capella hyperextends his knee, 
and it, it, it wasn't enough at the end of the day for the Cavs, and the Hawks pulled through. Man, Trey Young was the story of that game. 32 points in the second half alone. That kid shows what he's made of. Um, he's the king of New York and maybe the king of Cleveland now. Um, it's funny because, you know, he had to come up against two relatively good all-star guards in Darius Garland and LaMelo Ball, who are his kind of contemporaries. And Trey was like, yeah, watch me do my thing. I'm the man. Um, I was really surprised that uh, Cleveland wasn't necessarily closer in that game. I mean, they did have some leads at some point. Markkanen was was absolutely lights out from the floor. I mean, 6 of 12 from deep. Mobley was really good, but I think they could have used him a little bit more. Uh, the guy only had 12 shots total in the entire game. Darius Garland, man, I know you got your 21-3-9, but so inefficiently and, like, wasn't making the right plays. It goes to show you, you know, Trey's just that notch above him. And I was impressed with this Hawks team because, you know, as we've seen in recent days, they're not amazing. Unless their whole team is together and they're working, they're not great. Danilo Gallinari, I'm sorry, you had a good play in, but still, I can't believe the Hawks signed this guy, trade, whatever happened, you know, a couple years ago. I'm still laughing about it. That Mohawk from last year's playoffs has burned into my memory. I can never forget it. But hey, the Hawks went through and, and the Cavs have to kind of figure it out and retool for next season. But Matt, they're going to be okay. Markin improved that he was, you know, a good member of this organization. The fact that they could play tall ball as much as they did in the league that we're in, like, and if Sexton comes back and is healthy, like, exciting times for Cleveland ahead. Oh, man, Cleveland's going to be a really, really good young team for a while, man, with the the tall ball that you mentioned because marketing can really space the floor with his shooting stroke even jared allen and mobley are decent you know three-point shooters and mobley's probably just going to get better from here yeah. uh they've got some really good young talent for sure man um all i really want to do though is kind of move on to that new orleans pelican new orleans pelicans versus the clippers game because they made it they made the playoffs my friend i called it at the beginning of the year i didn't not think it was going to happen halfway through the season, maybe even three-quarters of the way through the season. But they made your pick come right, that the Clippers were going to miss the playoffs, and my boys made it, even without Zion. Man, Brandon Ingram is showing up in these playoffs. This Pelicans team looks fantastic. Our boy JV went off in certain games. He's had couple of bad games we won't we won't focus on that let's focus on the positivity here and yeah the Clippers fell short super happy over here once again I get to say that the Clippers are X amount of years removed from the Kawhi PG acquirement and they are still failing but we don't have to worry about them we don't have to talk about them we can laugh at them over the offseason talk about them later let's talk about this Pelican squad because they did it man like they act they actually did it it's kind okay. of insane for me what the funniest part is is that the two main pieces in this game that got them into the playoffs over the Clippers were two former Lakers because CJ McCollum had an okay game. He was off though. Larry Nance Jr. Yep. stepped up in this one, man. Um, seven of eight from the field is just ridiculous. Brandon Ingram was unbelievable, hitting 14 of 21 shots. Um, yeah, that's just so funny because like they could have had Larry Nance. Jordan Clarkson, um, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell. Like, think about this Lakers team. But, you know, I digress. I digress. <laughs> but we also have to not forget that, you know, the, the Clippers did get 
kind of screwed over at the beginning. Paul George did go into protocols literally the night before this game. Big piece to be missing. But the Clippers proved all season that they can win games without Paul George. They proved that they can win games without Kawhi. They proved that they could be a relatively good organization. And just, at the end of the day, they fell short. Look, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris all, both had really solid games. But the thing is, is they were solid games. They weren't spectacular. They each scored 27 points. They actually had very similar slash lines. But, you know, <laughs> 9 of 22 and 9 of 20 going 18 of 42 is just not, not going to cut it in a playoff game. Especially when you go 2 of a 9 from deep, Reggie Jackson. Like, it, it's a tough one, man. It's, especially when you're playing a guy like Brandon Ingram, who took no three-point attempts, just attacked all night. This guy was showing you why he was so highly touted coming out of university. Man, he kind of looks like the Slim Reaper a little bit, but, you know, he's got his own little flair. I mean, Slim Reaper might have had his soul stolen, and maybe that's what's happening over there, because he's not looked good. But hey, I think that's enough for the play, and I think that's enough for the Pelicans. We can talk about them more when we talk about their first-round series, because they are making things happen, potentially. But it's playoffs time, Matt. Where do you want to start? I think we go back to the East, man, and we start with the Atlanta Heat series, because Trey Magic has looked to kind of worn off he went 1 of 12 in game 1. He had a better game 2, shooting 50%. But Jimmy Butler is proving that quote by Draymond Green correct. So probably the smartest thing that Draymond Green's ever said is <laughs> there are 82 game players and there are 16 game players. And the 82 game players, yes, will help you get to the playoffs. But you better have a handful of 16 game players on your roster or else you're done. And Jimmy Butler would probably be a top 10, 7 option for 16 game players in the NBA. They call him Jimmy Buckets for a reason, and what a game two this man had. Now, I want to take you back to the NBA bubble. When Jimmy Buckets led his team to the finals, had some amazing performances, put up those 16 game performance type things, and everyone just kind of was like, meh, cool, yeah, whatever. And he's back now. Miami Heat are back. Spolster looks unreal with the rotations that he's playing. I mean, Duncan Robinson takes over game one and then doesn't even really play in game Six two. Six minutes like, of game two. <laughs> like, this is so crazy what we're seeing out of Miami. You know, maybe we did sleep on them a little bit, right? At the end of the day, they kind of were just the team that coasted their way through success, were quiet. And now, I mean, they probably have the easiest of all the matchups, as they should with the first seed, but they're proving that they could be a contender absolutely they're proving that they could be a contender man they're not even necessarily showing that much against atlanta like besides jimmy butler like absolutely dominating and, and duncan robinson in game one like lowry still hasn't gotten it going bam still hasn't gotten it going tyler hero necessarily hasn't started getting it going so if those three options really start to pick up and jimmy keeps doing these things oh, yeah they are a scary matchup for any team in the Eastern Conference. Um, they actually have a really good shot at getting to the to the finals, especially with all the injuries that are kind of coming down. And the Hawks, obviously, they've been missing Capella. There's, he's not going to be coming back for Game 3. John Collins has been playing really well in his stead. But again, like as we've seen as Raptors fans, you need your squad. You need to make it happen to be able to get through. And... The Hawks are looking at an 0-2 hole right now. You know, they get to come to Atlanta. Trey gets to perform at home. So hopefully that means we'll get to see some good games. 
but I just don't see a way for them to come back in this series. The Heat look too strong. Spolstra has his rotation pieces grinding and working out. Max Struess, Robinson, Tyler Hero, whoever you need, somebody's going to be ready for this team when the shots need to be knocked down. So, you know, you, you kind of feel for Hawks fans right now, but this is what happens when you are the eighth seed going against the one seed. It's just a fact. Yeah, and actually, man, I'm so surprised that... Uh you know, Spolstra wasn't up for coach of the year this year. He didn't even make the finals. Because mm-hmm. I was saying it on this on this podcast, man, that the guy, what he's doing with that kind of roster to be clipping along like they are in the East, because Jimmy isn't an 82-game player. The guy doesn't shoot four of seven from deep in the regular season on a consistent basis. Yet when no. it comes to the playoffs, it's like it's all of a sudden there magically. And... I don't know what he did to keep them going at this pace. And the, you're right. The way that he's using his matchups and maneuvering the, the key pieces around his stars is just beautiful, man. And he doesn't get stuck in, in name brand like Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo are name brands. Yet they've kind of had to take a little bit of a back seat because at the end of the day, they're not necessarily going at full capacity at the moment. So he's giving other people options, which, you know, is something that I think Nick Nurse needs to do a little bit more. But we'll get into that. Classic Heat culture going on, step-up time. But, hey, I think that's enough for Heat Hawks at this point. It's a series that we're expecting to be done talking about come this time next week, potentially if the Heat keep rolling. But should we stick in the East? Do we want to just go down that table a little bit, talk about Celtics-Brooklyn, maybe? Because this has been a very wild series. Kevin Durant has been locked up, going 0 for 10 in the second. Jason Tatum. Okay, Jason Tatum, let me just say his name one more time, has been unreal. And I'm referring to the defensive end, the way that he's been playing against Durant. They've been playing help defense. We talk about Smart, how he actually got DPOI first time since the glove. Like, there's so many different ways that this series can can be discussed and broken down. But at the end of the day, the Celtics are up 2-0 on a Brooklyn team that looks like their season is just slowly being taken away from them game after game. Look, man, Monty Williams being coach of the year, uh, voted by the player poll, was gr- or team polls and, and other coaches was great. Uh, but I, I think I was going to stick by my pick. Ime Udoka is running a master class in his rookie NBA season of yep. how you how you lock up a great player in Kevin Durant and you limit the effectiveness of Kyrie Irving. Um you know, it's, it's really funny because you think about when this Nets roster got together with KD and Kyrie, and they went on a podcast joking about how, you know, Steve Nash isn't really necessarily the coach and how they don't really need a coach, and a coach is just kind of somebody who's there, and it's going to be a committee process. Well, I think Udoka is showing Steve Nash why you have to have control of your locker room and why you have to be the man. Um, it took them a while. Obviously, they had a slow start to be in the season, but they are clicking along. He's pushing all the right buttons right now. And Boston is probably going to get out of this in five or six at this point, the way that it's looking. I, I know they're going back to Brooklyn, but the Brooklyn Nets aren't necessarily the best home crowd. And, you know, they've chanted MVP for other people while Kevin Durant is in the building. Um, so it's... It's not going to be the best home court advantage, and Kyrie already had a monster game. 
he's playing more basketball back-to-back than he has in almost two full years at this point. So is he going to break down? He's going to be able to continue those monster performances. And KD, man, back-to-back bad playoff performances. If he was LeBron James, we would be killing him. Killing him. It's, it's kind of hilarious, honestly, for this Brooklyn team. The fact that Ben is going to apparently return for Game 4. What? Like, there's so many different ways to think about it. But at the end of the day, Matt, you have to give the Celtics their credit. If you ignore that beginning part of the season, this might be the best defense the NBA has ever seen. Like, the best defense historically. They're so good. They're led by Smart. You know, DPOY, I mentioned it earlier. But it's Tatum, man. It's Tatum locking up. It's the confidence they have as a team. And, man, the the way they won game one with the, the Brown dribble play, tossing it out to Smart, and everyone's like, oh, Marcus Smart's going to shoot. And then he makes the unreal play, and Tatum gets the, the spin move. Like, the intelligence you, is man. there for this team. And it's beautiful to watch. And, like, me over here is kind of getting excited to talk about Celtics just because I enjoy the basketball. Obviously, I can never be happy about the Celtics as a franchise winning just because, you know, Toronto over here, it's how it's going to be. But they're winning, and it looks good. Look, dude, the Celtics in Game 1, Jason Tatum was that star. In Game 2, he was kind of off. And so was Brown, and yet they found a way... Yeah, offensively. They found a way to grind it out, to, to stop the other team from winning, and that's the most impressive thing to me. The Making the right play at the right time, you know, almost, I would say, 90% of the NBA would have taken that shot if they were Marcus Smart. And, you know, a three-point shot isn't always the highest percentage, but a spin-move open layup for Jason Tatum, who's blowing by Kyrie, who has absolutely no idea what he's doing on defense. No it's clue. brutal. And I think that they really need Ben Simmons back because Kevin Durant can't guard Jason Tatum the whole game no. and score 50. It's just not going to be something that he's capable of doing, especially playing 40 minutes a game for the past two and a half months. Like, just to get into the playoffs... So, for me, I think he's wearing down. He's an older player. He's had injuries. They need Ben Simmons to come in and and play some stout defense, but we'll see if that's even possible at this point. There's hope that he can be a difference maker in this series, especially on the defensive end. Like, Simmons can come in and do nothing offensively, but if he's able to come in and stop what they've seen, you know, stop the bleeding for this Brooklyn team, they might be able to compete, but it's kind of insane the way this series has gone obviously you know you have a game winner so it could be a 1-1 series at the end of the day but game two really showed that the Celtics are here to play and they're I'm not going to say that they're looking past this series because they're breaking it down game by game series by series to get there but they're on a course to be ready to start looking towards the next round to start looking towards the conference finals like this team is locked in and ready to go and i love your comments about ema because he really has been the coach that this squad needed because we can't forget this team was falling apart 15 20 games into this regular season he's been phenomenal man absolutely phenomenal absolutely what a great pick up as a coach when brad stevens moved to the front office you know there was kind of that chaos and turmoil was it going to happen danny Ainge moving on and udoka's been exactly what that locker room needed to get to this next level he's unlocked them and it's it's scary man as a raptor fan it, it sucks but as a fan of basketball it's amazing to watch 
Um, talking about, you know, guys who are unlocked in the playoffs, you know, Giannis has been playing really well, and that series is 1-1. I did like what he said after Game 2. You know, if he loses to the Bulls, it's over for him. <laughs> he's, he's he's done with his legacy, which is kind of it's like a little joking jab. Yeah. But when you're playing against a guy like DeMar, who goes after Game 1, his 6 of 25, ain't no way I'm shooting 6 of 25 again, and comes out with a 41-point performance. I mean, when you need a bucket... Yeah, he can't hit the three, but he can manufacture any two-point attempt that he wants. We know it. Raptors fans over here were living a very weird world. because After game one, the defrozen memes were coming back. Everybody was talking, this is what we all expected. This is what the playoffs were going to be for the Bulls. No, stop it, people. Stop it, all right? He went to Purgatory in San Antonio. He realized what actually matters, and the Bulls showed up in game two. I was really happy because I was like, I need the Bulls to blow out the Bucks. So the story of the night is not the Joel Embiid winner. It's the fact that the Bulls beat the Bucks. But yeah, let's talk about how this is basically a series now. It's really interesting. Obviously, the Chris Middleton injury for the Bucks is going to be massive. He's got an MCL sprain. Probably isn't going to play in the rest of this series. So now you're looking at the Bulls who are like, if we can lock in, if we can make it happen, if Vucevic can actually be a good center for this team... Can the Bulls actually steal the series? They actually have potential to because Zach Levine hasn't been his fire self lately. DeRozan was unbelievable in game two, but had a poor game one. Vucevic, man, I can't believe after you kind of wrecked him in the, like, the last episode before the playoffs, calling him like a not great NBA center. The playoffs, he has showed up. He's eating man averaging this is his average for the two games 24 15 and two and a half he's shooting 18 of 45 from the field four or five from three point and six of 18 from deep i'm i take those numbers any day man and he just got more efficient in game two absolutely it's fun it's exciting. Bulls fans are coming. You know, they were they were digging a grave for themselves when the playoffs started because they were like, "Well, that's the end of our season." And you know, you talk about Zach Levine not being himself, Matt. You know, he just ended the longest streak in NBA history, the active one for you know most games played in the regular season before getting in the playoffs at 478 games. So he's finally experiencing playoff basketball and of course he's going to struggle with so now we got Buddy Heald who currently has the longest uh, streak without the playoffs hilarious Matt knows it the thing way that I talk about Buddy Heald but it's kind of insane that if Zach shows up if DeMar can keep having these games if Caruso can be the defensive man that he can be and if Vucevic is doing what Vucevic is doing they might shut down the defending NBA champions now it's Giannis so let's not talk like that's a, a for sure thing that's going to happen, conclusion. right? Let's not forget about the 50-piece. Let's not forget about what Giannis can do. Let's not forget about the fact that he's casually averaging 30-17-6 through the series, <laughs> that he's shooting 21 of 39 from the floor. And 17 of 29 from the free throw line is kind of weak, but, you know, it's it's Giannis. The guy's still averaging 30-17. and 17. Oh, I think Holiday is the one who's going to really need to step up in Middleton's uh, absence. You know, 15-6-6 six, six in both games um, is great, but he needs to be more efficient on, on his shots, um, and he needs to get more than 15 points if they're going to win, man. 
he is the most important piece, in my opinion. He's always been. Matt knows that I'm huge on Drew. I love this guy. I think he's fantastic for this team. And you're right. But the good news is that they've got a healthy Brook Lopez. They've got a healthy Portis. So hopefully Giannis is able to make up those those forward rotation minutes with Chris missing, and they can figure it out. This is a big test of Budenholzer now. I gave him a lot of credit after that championship win and having a good season, and now he has to lock in and be the coach that this team needs because this is a series now. It's going to be a series. It's going to be a struggle, and it's going to be really interesting to see where things go from here. If they lose this series, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm firing Budenholzer. Um, you can't go NBA champion and lose in the first round to the dysfunctional Chicago Bulls who don't even have Lonzo Ball. Um, it's just your star is supposed to be 10 times better than any of their stars. I mean, people were panning the DeMar DeRozan contract at the beginning of the year, saying it was the worst NBA offseason signing. And if he can get them past the Bucks in round one, you got to look at the coach. Absolutely. We talked about it. Exactly. And let's also not forget that it's DeMar DeRozan, the guy hit buzzer beater after buzzer beater this season. I'm expecting this series to at least go six now because I, I can't see the Bulls not getting another game, right? They're going to Especially Chicago. At home. Right? Yeah. Like, it, it's going to be such a crazy series. We could be talking about the Bulls being up 3-1 by the time they go back to Milwaukee, which is what we were hoping for as Raps fans, but didn't happen. Well, I wasn't hoping for it. You were. Anyways, let's not talk about the Raptors just yet. We'll save that for the end of the episode. Let's go out west, man, where the New Orleans Pelicans have kind of made this a series. They were even losing or winning that game before Devin Booker got hurt. So I love the little uh, baby fist bump in game two, though, from Devin Booker. Just want to shout that out. That was just (laughs) unreal awesome. Um, but I feel bad for the man. I'm. He, it sounds like he's going to be out for a while, uh, two to three weeks with that hamstring strain. So let's see if they can get past New Orleans here. Um, because, man, New Orleans is coming. Brandon Ingram, McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas. What I wouldn't do for Jonas Valanciunas on our squad right now. Man, I was losing hope after that first game. Giannis, I mean, Jonas had 25 rebounds in game one. 13 of them were offensive boards, and they lost convincingly. Like, game one was the classic, oh yeah, this is Phoenix, this is their series. And then game two happened, B.I. came out swinging, the Pelicans team as a whole really locked in, and you're right, they were ahead of them before Booker goes down, but with that Booker injury, this becomes a CP3 legacy series. There's no other way to put it, because like we were talking about Giannis on the other side of it, you know, the Suns were the other team that were in the finals last year, and they're expected, expected to make it out of the first round handily. And the Pels have decided, Mm-mm, hold up, wait a second, you got to get through us first, you know? 37 points from B.I., like... Almost eh, a triple-double, too. One exactly. Side. Anything is possible for this Pels team, and the fact that you can steal a game, right, not go into that 2-0 hole right away, is huge for the mental of this squad. So it's really exciting to see if they can do it, but Matt, can you bet against this Suns team at the end of the day? It's going to be a tough one to bet against, honestly. Um, I think, though, that you can at this point. If you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan, there's major hope for you. Because 
Devin Booker is their guy. He's their get-a-bucket-when-you-need-it guy, and that's what the playoffs come down to, is can you manufacture a bucket? And yes, Chris Paul can manufacture buckets for other people and for himself, but not at the rate that he used to be able to, and not at the level that Devin Booker can for himself. Now, Mikhail Bridges had a phenomenal season. It was up for Defensive Player of the Year, came second in voting, and has played very well. He's going to have to bring it more. Aiton's going to have to bring it more. And I don't know if they just have enough without Devin Booker there to be able to really push past them. Because the big three in Aiton, Paul, and Booker really does rely on the fact that defenses need to key in on Booker's scoring. So we'll see how the game goes because obviously they haven't played game three yet without Devin Booker. But if Brandon Ingram's playing at this level, if McCollum comes out and and plays at his level and Nance and Valanchunas are doing their thing, they've got some good auxiliary pieces, you know, as guard options. Jose Alvarado's been giving them really solid minutes. Um, It's going to be tough, man. This is why I thought New Orleans was going to be a decent team with Zion. Like, could you imagine if they had Zion? You would say that Phoenix is in major trouble. This is the beauty of the playoffs as well, right? The fact that if you really break it down, any series can be competitive if the coach plays it the right way, if a single injury can derail this, if your boys lock in, right? Like, there's there's so many different ways to think about it. For me, when I look at this Suns team, I'm really looking at Aiton. I really think he needs to lock in, take over. He showed it in game one, right? Like, JV had all those boards, but JV had, like, no points. He couldn't shoot because Aiton was locked in on him and shutting him down. I want to see Cam Johnson come out and have some big games for Phoenix, right? Like, there are some things that can happen where this time next week, we could be looking at a 5-1 series, right? Let's not forget that this is Phoenix. They proved it all season long. They destroyed the Western Conference, which is something that teams do not do. But here we are, Matt. We're this close to the Pelicans creating one of the best upsets of the year. It was a weaker Western Conference this year, too, just to kind of throw that in there. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with all the injuries that were going on and, and the bottom tier teams, the way that they were playing, um, you know, really even, you know, Memphis took, you know, very, very good advantage of that as well to get the two seed. And even their matchup against Minnesota, man, like, I can't believe how competitive it's been through the three games. And the fact that I think Anthony Edwards has taken a hold of this Minnesota team and said, I'm the best player on this team. Now, I've been really high on him all year, and I've been talking him up, but, wow, I didn't expect him to do this in his playoff series. Take the fact that he's also younger than Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. I mean, I've been high on the dude since he came into the league. I was like, you have to take him number one. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, and here we are. Cat... Looked good in game one after a bad plan, and it looked bad in game two. So without Ant doing what he's doing, it's been really important. It's been really important. And I mean, D'Lo hasn't looked great either, and there's a reason why the Grizzly are up in the series. They are the better team, but Ant-Man is that type of star who could potentially steal game after game after game, and I'm excited to see if he can keep doing it. Look, man, Carl Anthony Towns had a great great game one after a poor play-in but he's showing you the playoff player that he is man he's regressed in both games back to back I mean last night only eight points only shot the ball four times 
um, had a really poor performance. Anthony Edwards was kind of off last night. He wasn't his usual self. He also got a little injured um, midway through the the second. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Memphis kind of takes over. D'Lo actually had a really, really solid game last night. He was probably one of their better players. But when your third option is the best player on the floor, things like, what, the 46-14 to run are going to happen. Like, just wild. I cannot believe that that happened. The fact that it was 58 to 81, and then all of a sudden, the, the Grizzlies just come trucking along. They can't be stopped. This is the team that, you know, we knew was going to come into the playoffs. They proved it going in, you know, to that, to, to being the second seed. So it's really exciting to see if they can do it. I mean, the, the changeup for Steven Adams, having him basically sit in all of Game 2 because he got into foul trouble, and then come off the bench, basically. Like, the Grizzlies is a great team. Taylor Jenkins knows what he's doing. But this is a series. This is an exciting series ahead of us, Matt. And I'm not going to count the T-Wolves out just because they faulted in the last few games and had a massive blowout. Like, Anthony Edwards is here to stay. Pat Bev looked really good even last night. So it's going to be a fun series. It's still my favorite series of all of them. I, I think it's the most competitive series at the moment and the crazy thing about Memphis and why John Morant fell out of the MVP conversation is because of their auxiliary pieces and what they can do without him I mean he had 32 points in game one and they lost and then he's had 23 and 16 and they've won Desmond Bain last night was absolutely monstrous it really 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 hurts me that we did not draft him over malachi flynn he's been really awesome in this series something that the raptors could use you know when gary trent was sick and to spell freddie for some minutes but two canadian boys kind of stepped up last night and brandon clark and yep. uh darren darren brooks um he dylan. was dylan brooks sorry dylan was not great offensively but he was locked in defensively he hit a key three-pointer and this team was able to rally man memphis is a scary scary team it's why we think they'll probably make the western conference finals um though they're gonna have a heck of a matchup in the next round i was i was watching um when we were when Allison picked me up, we were watching the game at the bar, and I was talking about John Moran, how much I love John Moran, how he's basically like my favorite player, and she's like, "Oh, he like floats, like he's got the cool dreads and he like floats. It's crazy how he gets up there and does the things he does. So you can't you can't count out either of these teams. I look forward to continuing talking about this series next week because it has to continue. I want seven games, Matt. There's no other way to put it. It's gonna be awesome, man. Let's see if Minnesota can throw a counter punch. You know. They did it in game one. Let's see if they can come back in game four. And John Morant absolutely does float. And because of that, his reputation allows to get the calls. Um, watching that massive block last night, it might have been coming down a little bit, just slightly. But, you know, he's John Morant, so he gets the calls, uh, which uh, is fair. Absolutely. So let's let's keep trucking along here. Let's talk about Golden State and Denver now, the series that hurts my heart a little bit inside. The fact that Golden State is up 2-0. The fact that the MVP, because I'm still saying about it, Jokic is going to be the MVP. It's going to go out in the first round, and the conversation is going to be, oh, should have given it to Embiid. He's doing well. No. Guys, Golden State just looks too good. What Jordan Poole is doing, what Draymond Green is doing, like there, there's so many beautiful things about this organization. Like Golden State is back. 
There's no other way to put Steph it. Steph Curry dropping like what he dropped 32, 37 off the bench the other night, like yeah. in like not even 30 minutes, 25 minutes. Like the guy was unbelievable. Um, it's just wild to think about this series when Golden State is fully healthy, and you know. Denver's just not like they don't have Murray they don't have Michael Porter Jr. Jokic is trying to carry the team on his back what did the guy have last night like 38 and 17 and they still lose like come on guys we can't pan one player when his second best player is Aaron Gordon who maybe maybe is a fringe top 60 player in the NBA like you need to have at least three guys who fit the top 60 billing on your roster in order to do some damage in the playoffs and Jokic is maybe number five top five in the NBA but man he can't do it all himself and the crazy thing is he's putting up those numbers while being guarded by Draymond and Draymond is coming in and playing defensive player of the year type minutes against Jokic so it's impressive impressive what this man is doing against this team and his back is against the wall he's pushing a massive boulder up a mountain and it's not going to be enough for Denver it is just not like we have to accept this at this point Golden State is too strong the ball movement that they have is lights out amazing I can't believe how many shots they're able to get open to get off screens to get access to the basket like Golden State's here guys get ready for them with this this Devin Booker injury, man, I would not be shocked to see them in the finals this year. Absolutely not shocked. Um, unless, you know, my boy Luka could come back because Dallas is holding serve without him, man. A 2-1 series lead against Utah. Utah's looking like they're just going to implode at this point, which is just brutal. The fact that Luka hasn't played in the series is kind of wild to me that they're up. I don't know where to go, man this one's just like without Luca how are you guys not winning I mean for me I gotta shout out Jason Kidd I really gotta shout out Kidd I gotta shout out the coaching team for the Mavericks could have been the Lakers coach (laughs) exactly Um, but like they got bodied in game one you know we saw the struggles of not having Luca the Jazz played their game they hit their shots they did what they do but as we've seen in the past with Jazz basketball, it's not sustainable in the playoffs. You cannot have your defensive anchor be the laziest guy when it comes to three-point shooters. Like, there's, there's so many things, and we know there's turmoil in the locker room as well. We know that there's things going on with this Utah Jazz team. And that's why the Mavs are up 2-1 at this point. You know, Jalen Brunson playing fantastic for this team. And, like, Luka, you could probably sit the rest of the series at this point, and that's a crazy thought to think about that he'd be fresh for series two three and four if they get there you know that could be wild that's really good for him man um you know i think we've really covered all the series at this point and talking about the turmoil in utah is kind of almost a perfect jumping point for our raptors series because if we get gobert could you imagine if we had gobert to bang with Embiid? like at the end of the day our raps are down 0-3 against the team that we wanted them to play. I'm disheartened because of the NBA officiating. I know it's been bad in other series. Um, I've watched, you know, lots of refuse suck chants in different buildings. But to see it this poorly and this blatantly, when you have the biggest man on the court... Not by a little bit, 
but by a lot. We don't have a guy who's over 6'10", and he's flopping around when six foot nothing Fred Van Vliet touches him. Is just atrocious. It's bad for basketball. The tandem foul drawing where they push Precious into Harden and Ananobi, and they're the ones who fall over. It is just a joke. If I was a ref, I would be embarrassed to give them a free throw call. I would be embarrassed. And you know what the Raptors need to do next next time we play them on Saturday? The Raptors fans, when we see these bad calls, we need to start chanting grifter. Grifter. Every <laughs> time. We need to let them know that this is bad basketball and that they are grifting their way to this vi- victory because it's just brutal to me at this point. When, when Embiid charged Cam in the lane and then stepped over him and then Cam got a foul... Good work, team. From the ground. Like, come on, guys. There's like we can rip the refing apart all day. Everyone knows it. Honestly, I don't even really want to get into that side of things because yes, we got screwed over in those first two games. The beginning of the series has been designed for us to lose. You know, we'll make this joke as as Toronto fans, as Canadians, every single time. But let's focus on game three right now. Let's talk about the fact that we basically had it. We should have had it. The boys played well. There was some big moments. They came out and did what they did. But unfortunately, our top stars didn't have enough. Precious, my boy, we just needed one free throw at the end of that game. And, like, you could see Don't you could see the mental, him, right? You could see the mental of the guys just falling the first one. bit by bit by bit at the end. It was painful. Tough, tough, tough to watch. Dude. I can't kill Precious because no. that was brutal what happened to him and I would never want it to happen to anybody on our squad. The fact that he had such a phenomenal game up to that point. Lights the fact out. That he fouled out Harden. Um, he was one of our best players when we needed guys to step up because you're right, our stars were not there in this game. Um, we've talked about it this year, man, with Siakam. You know, he, he what we thought he had overcome the need to be the guy and was just playing within the game and taking the mid-range shots that were available to him and taking the three-point shots that were available to him and not being afraid to miss. And that is the exact opposite of what I've been seeing this series. He's trepidatious. He's not making the right reads. He's late on open passes. He's throwing balls away. And he's also demanding that we run the offense through him, which is not what I want to see. I'll give Freddie a slightly easier pass because this guy's knees, you know, we've seen it since the All-Star break. And... In game two and three, he had a, quite a few open looks that were just short or not going in, which is not Freddie's style. Freddie normally hits those and knocks those down. It's just been bad, man, because at the end of the day, when Fred and Siakam can't go like that, when Gary Trent Jr. was sick for the first two games, apparently he lost eight pounds. Like, we're just feeling the injuries. We're feeling that we're not, you know... a great continuous team and then losing scotty man losing scotty on a way to a 20 plus point triple double was probably the saddest thing that's happened this series um i i don't know if i can get over it man i'm glad he's coming back but it all comes together though right like you think about the struggles 
that, that our stars have gone through, and is it the mental of the, the refs are making it hard for us in game one, Scotty goes down in game one, I need to step up, I need to be the guy. That's where I see Siakam going in right now. Gary is sick, Scotty's not playing, Fred is hurt, I need to be the one that's doing it. And you know what? You're probably wrong. I'm sorry. You're not right at this point in time. Look at what OG has been doing, right? Now that Gary Trent is, is healthy and happy, look at what he's doing, right? Precious going off in the game, like... We see, we saw in Game 3 the Raptors squad we watched all season. When they come together as a squad, they give the ball to the hot hand, and they work their rotations. It, it's painful. There's no other way to put it, right? And I think it all really comes back to Scotty getting injured and Bede literally breaking that guy's foot. Now, let's not let's not sit, think that that was a dirty play because obviously a 300-pound man stepping on a dude's was. foot... Is, yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying here. That play not dirty. Everything else that Embiid did in Game One and all of the egre- like egregious stuff, like not okay. This is probably my biggest thing with the officiating is that they let Embiid flop around like he's a soccer player as yeah. the biggest guy on the court. Yet they allow him to run in and throw his body wildly at people. And don't give him foul calls. How many times has he landed on some of our players? How many times has he, you know, elbowed guys to the face? You know, we've beaten him to the spot, but he bowls us over, and it's not a charge. It's just disgusting to me. And the one bright spot for this whole series is our boy OG Ananobi, man. He scored 20-plus in every single game. He scored it efficiently. I mean, Game 3 was a great game. Game 2 might have been his best game because we just weren't going to him. I, yeah. I texted you that at halftime. We need more OG and less Siakam because the guy ended up with 26 points on 10 of 14 shooting. Like, he makes the right read. He had a sweet dump-off pass to Achua when he was attacking Embiid in Game 3 that, you know, was a play that we needed. We were down. We were you know, not, not being able to get our offense going. OG can unlock that. I have major faith in OG because... I'll always talk about this. Man is not an 82-game player because he can't stay healthy. But he is 100% the number one 16-game player on our team. And that's been evident since he was a rookie. When we were the number one seed in the NBA and we got swept by Cleveland. I believe it was game three. If y'all will remember, with maybe under 10 seconds left, he hits a above the break at the bottom of your television screen, corner three, well, not corner three, but above the break three, with LeBron James flying by. And if LeBron James doesn't hit that massive shot over top of OG, who was uh, a rookie who had to guard him, which yep. just speaks to his level of caliber as a player, I mean, we would have won that game. And OG is also the I-don't-shoot-to-miss guy from the bubble. Like, we need him. We should put our faith in him casual NBA fans don't understand how much value OG has to our roster and that's why I think we need to look to trade Siakam because there's too many cooks in our kitchen man we have too many you know above average starting NBA options and we haven't figured out that the two that we most rely upon are our two least proven playoff performers Freddie I'll cut him a break because of his knee injury. And honestly, he was phenomenal in the, the final series. He even got a finals MVP vote stolen away from Kawhi. But besides that, man, it's OG. OG, oh my. Man, when it was like 90, 91, or 90, 90 last night, 
and he had that three-pointer above the break, just like over two guys, and shot that shot. I thought to myself, man, OG might take this over and take us to the promised land. I don't think he took a shot after that. I think it was all Siakam, all Fred, you know, the place to press, all of these things, and it was frustrating, you know, and I don't know where things fell apart. I don't know if, if Nurse lost control. I don't, I don't know. That's the thing that hurts me inside, right? Like, we were this close. Things could have happened. We could have had a chance, and you look at you look at Siakam's decision making how it has completely gone back and changed since the season and you know if if we have a true shooter in place of Siakam and everyone's healthy and Scotty's playing and OG's playing like this like we're a better team so I I can't not be with you I'm sad because I'm pumped for Siakam I want to see him come out and play but at this point in time I, I just don't know how we do it and it's brutal man because not only are we fighting against our number one player's selfish need, um, which, like, I guess I don't necessarily want to call it that, but it's it's what it looks like to me. Um, and we're fighting the officials. We're f- also fighting the NBA media. I mean, the whole narrative yesterday was anybody who would have called that a foul, a technical foul against Doc Rivers, was out of their mind. Why do we have it in the rule book then? Don't have it in the rule book unless you're going to call it because that's a pivotal moment in a game that he broke the rules to get. And they don't hit that three without him breaking the rules. That should have been our possession. It should have been a technical foul shot, and we don't even get there. MB doesn't even have the chance to do that. So um, it is what it is, man. I think we're looking forward to the off season. My plan is, you know, let Siakam go off early, maybe, you know, October, November, December, and then in January, try to get the best asset that you can for him. Whether that be a center, whether that be guard help, whether that be first round picks, get assets for him because we need to let Scotty flourish. You know, we're looking for that next Kawhi, and I think we have him in the building in Scotty, and OG is probably an upgrade on what you know pascal's robin was he's turning 25 this summer so the age that pascal was when he finally broke out in the nba and fred can just be our kyle lowry plus gary trent jr like precious off the bench like i like that roster we have to remember this was a quote-unquote rebuilding year and we went above and beyond our expectations to get where we are but no that's not how we want to be we're a good team we're a great team our rebuilding year only existed because we got shafted and had to play in Orlando all of last season. Like, we will be back. The boys are going to be good. You know, Scotty's coming back for game four. So who knows, man? Like, we're playing against Doc Rivers at the end of the day. It's Philadelphia. Anything is possible. But we saw the pivoting moment, right? This was the game against Milwaukee in our playoff run, the game three where we turned it around and we won OT, right? And instead of being down 0-3, it was 2-1, and then we pulled those next three games back. This was that moment that I was really hoping was going to happen, and now we get to see the other side of that coin. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I hope the boys fight through it. I hope, you know, game three was a big lesson for Nick, and he goes with Gary Trent and OG as our as our main guys in game four, sprinkling some Scotty. You know, I, I would not bench Siakam. I would definitely keep him out on the floor. He draws yeah. a lot of attention. He, the defenses are keying in on him, and that's why guys like Gary Trent and Siakam are able to do what they're doing. I understand that. But he also needs to make the right play. If he has that 
12-point triple-double that he had earlier this season, which was his first career triple-double, and we win the game, if he does that for four straight games, I will praise him. I will call him the man. I will tell everyone that he is an all-NBA player that we know him to be. But it's the inefficient going for 20-plus points. It's the looking off the better option. It's not taking the shot when it's available to you. Because at the end of the day, I don't mind if we miss shots. Everybody's going to miss shots. But you have to have the confidence to take the shot when it's available to you. And I think Gary Trent and OG are just those guys as opposed to Siakam. It's tough, right? It's really tough. And, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get to talk about it more. At the end of the day, this series could turn around. We've seen the positivity. I'm hoping that Nurse takes the boys back to the locker room, shows them all the things that go wrong, and can lead to a victory. But this is why it's so hard, because any mistake, any major mistake at this point, and our season is over. And that's why we feel like it basically is over at this point. So I think that's enough for Raptors chat. There's not really much more that I need to say. Obviously, we can look ahead towards Saturday's game, towards tomorrow's game. I'm going to enjoy it. Either way, wherever it goes, if it's the end of the season, if it's not, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to love seeing Scotty back on the court. Definitely, man. I'm happy to see Scotty back. And it hopefully it's not our last game of the season. We could talk about, obviously, what we could do in the offseason, players that we could tr- target in trades. But, yeah, man, I, I think it's time for some, some hot takes and some mystic predictions. Well, really quickly before that, I have to mention that apparently James Borrego just got let go by Charlotte, so the Hornets are going in a new direction. A little expected after what has happened the past couple years. Just threw up on my phone, so i got to bring it up real quick. <laughs> love it, Kevin. Love it. I, well, I'm going to start with my hot take, man. My mystic prediction. It's a negative one. Raps are going to get swept out of the playoffs. It's because I had that, that Shaq joke last week. Ugh. It's my fault, man. Pain. Well, let's move Let's move past it. Let's not think about it. Let's talk about my prediction. I love seeing if I can make it happen. Hey, let's get some positivity for Matt over here. I think the Pels are going to come out, and they're going to steal Game 3, take the series lead against Phoenix, but will it matter in the end? I don't know, man. It's such an interesting series now, looking ahead. Man, absolutely interesting series looking ahead. And if they can get the steal, um, don't be surprised if Phoenix-Boston is your is your final this year. Just, or, I mean, Golden State-Boston. Sorry. There it is, guys. Right. Okay, as, well. as, as a little mystic prediction. Oh, magic over here. But I think that's everything. So thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, whatever you need. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.